volunteers here now. Thank you, volunteers. We are so thankful for your help uh, during the week. The, the, yeah, the vineyard from Franklin, Ohio is here, and that's very cool. And then um, Bayside has some folks here, and there's a church here from South Carolina. And um, am I missing any church? Orlando? That's right, church from Orlando too. So lots of folks in, and um, very happy for that. And we're making great progress on the work reports, the work orders that we have. So that's really cool. So, and we have all the way, we're scheduled through the 19th uh, with volunteers coming. So all next week, every day we're sending out volunteers. All this week, every day volunteers. And then the 19th, that Sunday, we're going to take a little break um, and focus on Thanksgiving weekend because we have our own big outreach. And then we'll, we'll look at it on the other side of that break. That'll be our first break since the um, storm. So, big run. Lots of people have been helped. Uh, there's still a lot to do out there, but uh, we, we've done a lot of the... I wonder how many trees we cut down. <laughs> a whole bunch. And how many nasty refrigerators we helped haul out. <laughs> One that you know of. We sent some poor guy to do one like six weeks after the storm. I was like, you sure you want to go? I'll go. It's been six weeks, man. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I'd just tape it up and put it out on the road. <laughs> Much tape as you can. Uh, uh. All right. So that's good. Okay, so lots of stuff happening. And that's cool. All right, we, um, we're taking some time on Wednesday nights right now to work through one of our sort of foundational verses um, at, the, at the church. You know, as a church, our mission is one more, and we talk a lot about that, one more lost child back to dad. That's why we're here. But uh, beyond that, we have, a, we have a hyphen, and then we say all in, because not only do we want people come to, into relationship with Jesus, we wanted to help develop fully committed disciples in the Lord. And so we, we think of that as all in, and that sort of comes from the verses we're looking at. You know, we want to we be all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's how we want people into this walk with the Lord. And so we're, we're looking at Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and we're, we're sort of breaking it down as we go. Let me read that to you. It's in your notes. Um, it's in, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew 22, verse 37. Uh, through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So right now, we're looking at verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There's actually another translation of that verse in Luke where it adds strength, and we'll deal with that in a little bit. But... Um, We've spent uh, the last couple of weeks, we talked about loving God with all our heart. And I said, you know, the heart's like the control panel of our lives. And last week, we talked about loving God with all our soul. And that's our personality and our, our emotions. And today, I want to look at loving God with all our mind and how we're supposed to do that. So that's kind of the first little thing that we're going to talk about. Um, I think we had bulletins out there. How can I love God with all my mind? How do we, how do, we do that? What does that look like? And um, 
The human mind, it's an amazing thing. It's a, it's a gift from God that's, that's capable of so many things, and yet God tells us in the Scripture that it needs to be made new. Um, the effects of the fall and sin have impacted our minds. The Bible makes that clear. There's, there's several verses there, not in your notes, but in 1 Timothy 6, 5, it says that we have a corrupt mind because of the fall. Romans 8, 7, a sinful mind. 2 Corinthians 3, 14, a dull mind. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4, a blinded mind. So because of the fall, our minds need to be renewed by the Spirit. That's where Romans 12, 2 comes in. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So um, our minds need to be renewed by the Spirit and by us yielding to the Spirit in the process of this life so we can know um, what, what God wants from us and what God's will is for us and how we're to live this life. And so some things have to be changed in um, the way we think about things. And I, this is an ongoing process, yielding to the Spirit in, in the way that you think about things. Um, because the way our minds are set up, when we have some processes that we, we get established very young, and um, they stick with us unless we challenge them. So we may be thinking about things in one way because we've never really asked God, is that how I'm supposed to be thinking about it? It's just been so deeply rooted in us that it's impacting the way that we're processing our thoughts. So you picked up some ways of thinking from um, your parents and from siblings and from friends, um, and you, you took those in, um, and, and yet they're not the right way to think about things. And I still, in, in the course of my life, and I've been um, walking with the Lord 30 years, it doesn't happen like it used to, but I would have thoughts about things or opinions about things or think about things in one way and then think, wow, that's... That's really probably not the way to think about that situation. And, and I'd have to challenge it because I'd never challenged it before. And so we challenge it, you know, by the Scripture, yielding to the Spirit. And, and so this idea of loving God, heart, soul, mind, um, is that, that we really can't love God without knowing God. And, and the way that we know God is by the Spirit-enabled use of our minds. So, so to love God with all our mind... It means engaging like all your, your, your thinking, all your powers of thought to know God as fully as possible so that you can love Him all in. So that's really what we're supposed to be doing. We're, we're supposed to be on this journey learning to know God as fully as we possibly can to the fullest possible extent of, of our minds um, so that we can love Him all in. So how do we sort of do that? How, how do we go about knowing God as fully as possible, point number two in your notes. So, so to love God with all your mind, then, it's to engage your thinking as fully as possible for the sake of knowing God as fully as possible, for the sake of loving God as fully as possible. So, so we're to engage our thinking, our minds, uh, as fully as possible for the sake of knowing God as fully as possible, for the sake of loving God as fully as possible. In Proverbs 10, verse 14, it says that wise people, wise men, store up knowledge. And, and this is interesting because in the Scripture, um, 
wisdom is something we're actually um, called on to store up. But we are not called to store up much else. Jesus said in particular, you know, don't store up money, don't store up treasure, don't store up material possessions where moth and rust decay. But we're to store up knowledge um, because knowledge is far surpasses all of those other material worldly things that we might gather. Um, and, you know, uh, the pursuit of knowledge about God is, 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 you know, one of the highest pursuits we can have in this temporary time uh, in this process of knowing God. It's more important than about anything else that we could do here um, because it's something that's eternal. You know, the stuff that you acquire with your efforts here um, that are things are temporary. Uh, and I'm not picking on things. It's good to have things. I'm just saying there, there can't be our focus. And yet a lot of times those things are our focus. Our focus needs to be knowing God more fully, loving God more fully, because that's where we find life. And that's one of those things that's eternal. Um, you know, I talk about eternal things here uh, often. And pretty much, you know, what's eternal is our relationship with God and our relationships with people in relationship with God. Those are the things that are eternal. And and one of the reasons we're so um, active about our mission of One More is that we want people to be in relationship with God. We, we desire that, especially, you know, uh, the people that we know, because we want to be in relationship with them throughout eternity. So... Um, this idea of knowledge is something that we're to store up. And so let's talk about knowledge a little bit, uh, little letter A. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will ignore your children. And so when we, um, when we reject knowledge, God's knowledge, um, we, we are open to attack. Uh, and, you know, the way that we get knowledge about God is from His Word. And so um, we're, we're, to, we're to be the people of the Word. We're, we're to embrace the Word of God. We're, we're to study the Word of God. Um, we're to learn the Word of God. And, and not only learn the Word of God, we're to know the Word of God. And, and so, and people go, well, well, what's the difference? Well, you can know the facts uh, about the book without really knowing the content. So you don't really know something until you apply it. And so there's a lot of people that know the stuff in the book, but they're not applying it in their lives, and that they don't really know it. They don't have the knowledge of it. Um, and, and Jesus made that clear when he sort of was talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, um, the Pharisees would actually memorize the Pentateuch. It was something they did. So the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they would memorize them. And so they could, they could, they could just, that's pretty good, right? That's a, have you read some of those books? In those books are numbers and stuff like that, right? Really? They memorize that? Yeah, they memorize those books. That's some, it's pretty impressive tactic to memorize that kind of scripture. So the Pharisees were known for that. But, but Jesus challenged them and said, well, you, you, you sort of know the facts, but you're not applying what you're learning to your life, so you really don't have any knowledge of it all. You don't know the power of God. You, you, it hasn't drawn you closer to Him. Mark 12, 24, Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God? 
So, so they, they memorized and read, but they, they didn't apply it into their lives. And so they were missing the, the main part of what was happening. And, and so they, they don't know the Scripture because they're not applying the Scripture into their lives. And so we, we need to be careful that, that we sort of take it at that level, that it's, it's, it's that we are allowing God, that we allow God to change us by the the yielding to the to his spirit and understanding the word of god so that the word of god we should be applying it to our lives so so this is all part of the process and that's where b is is um where wisdom comes in so um knowledge is is sort of knowing what god does and and wisdom um and is knowing why he does it and allowing it to happen in our lives it's it's uh, we we get wisdom from um, in our minds from you know from seeing life from God's viewpoint from God's perspective. We've talked about that quite often. We wanna we wanna get out of the center of the story, uh, and we want to get Him in the center of the story because it is His story. And this is one of the things that we have to work on throughout the course of our lives. We have a tendency to get ourselves situated in in our life so that things we think everything kind of spins around us and we're looking at everything on how it impacts us but the reality is everything is is moving around Jesus as the center including us so you know the way I like to remember that is he's the noun of the story and we're the adjectives and 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 so it's his story and, and being an adjective is cool. Adjectives describe the noun, see? And so our lives have great purpose and meaning because they're to describe Jesus. That, that's what our lives are supposed to do. And that's when our lives make sense when we have Him at the center of the story. Where we find our biggest struggle is we keep plopping ourselves back in the middle of the story. And, and whenever we're there, we don't experience life the way we're supposed to. And we don't see things from a bigger perspective. Our, when we're in the middle, when we're the center of the story, we have a very, very narrow perspective. But, you know, I always say to you, we need to have a throne room perspective. Uh, that's why I always encourage you to make sure when, you're, when you start your day, you're connecting with God and you, you, you understand how amazing it is that we have access to the throne room of God. That, that you know, we, we have access now in Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's a, it's a literal access to the very presence of God. Uh, and, and so, you know, in Hebrews 10, you know those things. And, and we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And so you guys know those verses. So I think it's so important that we, we embrace that so we make sure that we're seeing more the way he sees things and from the, his picture, his bigger picture, not ours. Isaiah 55, 8 says, uh, the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So that's why it's so important that we get a big picture of that. Have you noticed that God doesn't always think the way that you do? Have you, have you decided, have you tried lots of times to get him to think the way that you do? Because you've got, you got to figure, have you ever, seriously, I've known. I, oh God, this is the best way to handle this. I think you should just say yes and amen this, please. And, it, and then he, he won't because he loves you so much. He never, he never follows through on that. But how amazing is how God does things? Um, so, like, I'm, I constantly tell you things that happen. So yesterday, so just, just how God does things. So yesterday, out here on County Road, 
the church, we have, a, we have to have, because we're a commercial building, we have to have this big backflow prevention thing so that water can't go back into the system from here. So we have a big line. And so it kind of, it's off the road, but it sticks up so that you can get to this big valve. And it's about two feet high, and it's a fairly significant thing. And it's about six, eight feet off the road. It's, it's, it's safe enough. Well, um, yesterday, somebody hit it. One of those big trucks. I didn't stop or anything. And so two-inch water line snaps. There's water spewing about 40 feet into the air. And it's, it's one of the neighbors comes and tells us, and it's made this huge puddle out there. Big, and, and, and you got a problem. I mean, oh, yeah, we do have a problem. And I go, <laughs> I go walking out there, and I, it's, I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. And like the, the place where you turn it off, that, that thing is off, the whole big thing. And you can't see down in there because of the pool and this water jetting out. I'm like, so I'm, I'm on the phone trying to fix it, you know. And so I call the aqueduct and say, hey, I'm trying to be calm. Uh, yeah, somebody hit our uh, pipe and there's water spewing like 40 feet in the air. And they asked the question, was it on our side of the line or yours? Well, it's on my side. I understand that ultimately it's my problem, but I can't see the thing to turn it off. So I need, I need you to at least come turn it off. Okay. So they said, okay, we'll get, we'll get out there. But I'm looking at this thing. and One of the volunteers that here walks out. I can shut that off. I'm like, dude, you can't even see where it is. I got it. He went back and got a wrench, came in, fished around there, shut it off. I said, well, that's cool. He said, looked at him. I can fix that. I'm a plumber. I said, really? Yeah, come on, take me to the hardware store. And, and, and so I took him to the hardware store, and we bought the two things. We came back. Oh, We've got to leave it off for a few hours. I'll turn it on later. And boom, it worked. But, but here's the thing. So, God, so God's ways are not, I mean, so, I, I, so, you know, I could go and start think, overthinking this. Well, God, you could have just had that truck miss that thing. <laughs> But how cool is it that, and he's doing that all the time. So here's, I'm like, no way. And I almost got to be careful that I don't take that stuff for granted. I'm thinking, man, a plumber would be really helpful right now. I'm a plumber. Thank you. So, you know, I say all those things. God does things that we don't even understand. And how cool is it that that he did that and and continues to do those things? God's just amazing that way. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. It's not how I would have done it. But I'm very cool for the way he did it. It was better. And uh, all is good. Because, you know, needed to be fixed right then. Could have happened in the middle of the night. Um, It was much better that it happened when it happened. Well, we did that without a permit. I think, I think that was okay. Imagination. That's a little letter C. I like to talk about imagination. Because our imaginations are amazing. And, and we have to let God develop our imagination. See, God gave us imagination. Um, think about God, the creator of all things. Just, I, I mean, you, you think about... I, you know, I, I just I think about creation and the stuff that he's made, and like you know, like how how amazing is God, like like a hummingbird. I mean, you ever you know, and 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 just 
like giraffes. I mean, how do you pull up that one? You know what I mean? And, and all sorts of other stuff. So um, he gave us imagination to be used for holy purposes. So he, he gave us something that should be a holy imagination because um, as his kids, we need to outthink, we need to outdream the world around us for his glory. That's what he's called us to do. Not, not for our private stuff, but for the glory of God and for the good of others. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. More than we can imagine, more than we can dream, infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires and thoughts and hopes. And, and think about, I mean, like I'm a pretty big dreamer, but, but God basically said, think of the biggest thing you can think of, and He can top that. He can outdo it. And so He wants us to be developing our holy imaginations. Um, but we, we too often have, have used our imaginations for things of, of, you know, less than noble purposes. And yet God wants us to use our imaginations for Him. And, and so he, he wants us to, to let those things develop so that, that, that he, for the sake of Him, for, for the, His glory. And so we, we need to allow these things to happen. Again, this is about loving God with our minds all in in the process. And so third, we, we, and because of those things, we have to stay engaged in the battle for your mind. There isn't a battle going on for your mind. We have a very real enemy I talk about all the time, and, and he would love for you to stay out of that battle so that you don't develop knowledge, wisdom, and imagination. Because when you allow the Spirit of God to fully develop those things in you, they're used for the purposes of the kingdom of God, and they have great impact. And he would much rather keep you dulled and, and blinded, the enemy would, and, and using your imagination for, um, you know, the wrong reasons, where they have no impact. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be developed in your mind by the Spirit at all. And so we have a lot of things thrown at us that, that are not, you know, um, helping us to develop. We, we, we're bombarded by opinions expressed by others that we just take in almost wholeheartedly without challenging and they shape the way that we think about things, and they may not be the thoughts that God has for us to think. But we just have said, okay, and we just we take these things in and in and in and in, and without thinking about them, we regurgitate them out now. And, and it's, it's keeping us from um, thinking in a way that brings glory to God. It's keeping us from being developed in the way that He would have us be developed. So we, we have to know that there's a battle going on for our mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 through 5. Paul said, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standard of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power, divine power, to demolish strongholds. And then he defines strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets it up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient 
to Christ. You can see what he's defining there is this battle, and, and it's what we've just talked about. We, we're going we're gonna to go at, we're going to challenge everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we're going to take captive every one of those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. And that's, that's you know, what we do in this battle, we, to destroy strongholds. Um, a stronghold is a, it's a mental block. Paul's talking about pretensions, arguments set up against the knowledge of God. This is a mental battle. And he's saying destroy those strongholds. And, and a stronghold can be different things. It could be a worldview um, that we have. Materialism is a worldview. Uh, secularism is a worldview. Relativism is a worldview. Um, uh, there's all those sort of isms out there are mental strongholds that people set up against the knowledge of God. Uh, Darwinism. Uh, you know, there's, there's all these strongholds that attack us, that challenge constantly without merit who God is. And, and a stronghold can also be a personal attitude. Um, worry can be a stronghold. We talk about that a lot here. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly encouraging you to not let worry overcome you. And, and that um, if, if everyone is, tends to be such a great worrier, and if we would just take a little bit of that time and pray, um, you, you, you would see far more happen because prayer is effective and worry doesn't do anything. But we're, we're taught from very small to worry. And, and we have to challenge it. It's one of the things we have to challenge so, you know, it's one of the reasons I've had you learn that scripture. Do not be anxious about anything. But everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of the reasons I'm always saying to remember that, we're challenging that stronghold of worry so that we don't have to live under it. So that we, we, we don't need to be. He said, don't be anxious about anything. He meant it. Um, seeking the approval of others can be a stronghold. Some people live under that their whole lives. And rather than just kind of being settled than they are, they're always trying to read a situation and figure out what they think they're supposed to be and then be that, and there's no peace in that. Um, fear is a stronghold. Guilt is a stronghold. Resentment is a stronghold. Insecurity is a stronghold. All those things can be in, uh, strongholds in your mind. And the Bible says that we're to actively tear them down by yielding to the Spirit and allowing Him to help us overcome those things. And it says, take every thought captive to Christ. We, we take it captive. We make it submit. Um, and, and we make it obedient. And, and so, you know, how do you do it? Love God with all your mind. Engage your thinking as fully as possible for the sake of knowing God as fully as possible. For the sake of loving God as fully as possible. So that, that you will employ your mind to provide your heart with as much fuel for this love life that we're called to as it can possibly deliver. And so all these things begin to come together for us to love God all in. Heart, mind, soul. Next week we'll talk about loving God with all our strength, what that looks like. But that's good for today. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Come and join us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. We'd be happy to pray for you. God bless you guys.